0: Hey, dude! This dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. Five, four, three, two, one, 0. All engines running. Lift off. We have a lift off? Hey, all you pet stylists! You found the groom pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie, and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Hey, girl, what's on today? Oh, what's on is I finally got my hair dyed. I don't know if you noticed. Ugh, it had been looking good. Yeah, it had been good. like five months. I'm so bad about oh, that. <laughs> Welcome to episode 347 of The Groom Pod, recorded on September 4th, 2022 in Snohomish, Washington and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you guys by our kind sponsors, Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution Cheers, Groom More, and Stazco. And if you guys would like to help us put this show on, you can tip us over at our website, thegroompod.com, where you can use the donation button or join us on Patreon. This week on the Groom Pod, we're going to talk about the nail trim struggle, which has been on the back burner for a couple of weeks, and then, oh, magically, one of our Facebook group members posted a nail trim question, so that kind of folds perfectly in with that. And what's new is brought to you by GroomMore Software. If you're looking for a software solution for your shop, mobile, or house call, GroomMore is it. It has online booking and online forms and intake or matted dog forms, payment processing, reminders and wait lists, inventory, routing, calendar, and QuickBooks syncs, and most importantly, 24-hour service. And they've given us a great offer. You can switch over to GroomMore and try it for two months at half off. Just put in the code GroomPod. Who's there? Ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Susie the Groomer, ICMG, MGBS. I graduated, I graduated with 100%, and I still love Chrissy Newmyer Smith, but the final was a nightmare for me, a whole, a living nightmare. I had to watch a somewhat abusive groomer strangle a dog with the owner present and The dog lived, but it was a a harsh, harsh reality. Man, but I got 100%, and I got more letters after my name, and I'm so proud of myself because it was a long struggle. Well, it certainly was a serious
1: class, and I'm so proud of you, Susie, and you deserve it, and this is just the perfect specialty for you. I'm very comfortable there. It works for me. You already were a behavioral specialist, but now you're like a
0: highly credentialed behavioral specialist, and that's perfect. I am one of five now, I think five, three, four, five. Yeah, Chrissy, and then the girl who went through the first class by herself, and then the three of us. So we've got five of us who are credentialed grooming behavior specialists, and hopefully we will grow. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty proud of myself. But I had a dark cloud. Your bird's fine, easy. No, it's speaking of dark clouds. (laughs) I'm only going to say this because everyone will understand. Figgy, the dog, just farted (laughs) and she's gassing me out right now. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Sorry, everyone. I couldn't ignore it. Oh, oh, choke me. (laughs) Anyway, I groomed a cat this week, a cat who I, no, it actually was a couple weeks ago. I forgot we had a, we missed a week, but I groomed this cat and she's an older cat and it was warm out and I have no air conditioning because I don't have power for air conditioning. So when I do a cat, I mostly close the windows. They're screened off anyway, but I mostly close them so that the cat can't get out. And I open my top vent and I groom the cat, start to finish as fast as I can. And this cat was just a brush out and had some really serious matting on her belly. And I could tell that Prior to this, I see them about every five months, and the cat had been keeping up with her own maintenance, but this time, not so much. There were some really tight, tight mats, and of course, I nicked the cat on the underarm trying to get a mat out, so there was a little cut there, and uh, because it was warm, I really did rush the groom pretty fast, but I got all the tangles out, and I got the mats that were tight off of her. And I called the owner and she came down and we put the cat in the carrier and stood on the sidewalk for a few minutes and chatted. And then she went in the house. Well, anytime I have an incident like where I've nicked a cat or something like that, I always call and check on them a day or two later to see how it is or if we need to do a vet appointment or any further treatment or anything like that. So I randomly called her a day and a half later to see how the owie was doing. And she's like, well, I have some shocking news. She passed away last night and I was not expecting that. And of course, my mind was racing with, did I miss a sign of heat stroke or was something else going on that I didn't pick up on? But There was no panting or drooling or otherwise unusual behavior during the groom. It wasn't a more stressful groom than usual. We did it regularly enough over the past like six years. So the cat didn't mind the grooming. It was pretty cooperative cat. And I didn't notice anything overly different. But I did worry that I had somehow caused this cat to pass away. But then I found out that the cat had been to the vet a bunch of times since the last time I had seen her, and that's why they put off the grooming. And ick though. Oh man, does that mess with your head or what? Yeah, really. So of course I called my vet friends and because the only thing I could think of was that heat stroke or I had overstressed the cat. But Everybody pretty much reassured me that it sounded more like something underlying was going on with the cat, and maybe the stress of the groom might have contributed to it, certainly, but without that previous knowledge, because she didn't tell me there was any health issues or I might have chosen to do it on a different day, but for the most part, they said it probably would have happened anyway. It sounded more like a stroke because the cat was fine in between the grooming and two days later when she passed away, or day and a half later when she passed away, but still, it it messing with my head a little bit.
1: I had a toy poodle, and I groomed for the first time an elderly toy poodle. This lady from Green Valley, which is about 45 minutes to the south of us, she came in, and I groomed her two dogs, and one of them was not doing well. It was like raising its head up and trying to breathe. This was in the tub. Oh. I really shorted the the, uh, grooming, and I told her about it. And uh, that dog died that night.
0: Oh, that night. Wow. You know what she said? I thought getting cleaned up would make her feel better. Yeah, I think that's kind of what this lady thought, too. No, it doesn't work like that feel better is so leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody's died of math. <laughs> it was not an established client. And I
1: never heard from her again. Surprise, surprise. But she didn't blame me. I didn't take responsibility, but I didn't decry her. I didn't demean her. I didn't, you know, I said, these things happen and I'm so sorry. And blah, blah, blah. But, that made me think about, uh,
0: sometimes you got to say no. Yeah, I would have said no if I'd have known the cat had been in and out. Yeah, and I would have said no if I had
1: known that the dog had been struggling. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, why bring him to the groom? Well, I thought, you know, I thought she would feel better if she was cleaned up and pretty. Well, no.
0: This was the, this lady's first adult loss of anything. Um, I don't know where her parents are. I'm not sure how that all went down, if it was a divided house or if mom is still around. But regardless, she's living on her own. She's a 30-something, maybe even a 20, late 20s, early 30s. This is her first pet. She had her 14 years, or at least the cat was 14 years old. I don't know when she got the cat, but... um I felt really bad. I didn't want to abandon her. At first, she was like, uh, we should have stopped the grooming. And I tried to reassure her that there wasn't any sign of a problem during the grooming. And she said, well, when the cat came in, she went into the bathroom and sat on the cold tiles and panted a little bit. But by an hour later, she was eating and drinking. So I don't know. It, it sounded neurological more than anything else and since they couldn't figure out what was going on with her, like they were doing testing and stuff like that but they couldn't iron anything down, neurological sounds like it may very well have been. Yeah. 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 Anything exciting with you? No, but I something interesting happened
1: to me today. You know, like a Sunday morning is my reading and research and and learning day. It's my preparation for Girl pod, but it's also my opportunity to kind of do a little bit of learning. And I was on this website, the Cosmetic Chemist website, and it's a blog for formula. I was on the Formulator forum. So Perry Romanowski, who's one of my gurus, and not just my guru, but he's probably guru to thousands of. Uh, formulators and wannabe formulators. Here's a quote from him. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. There is no evidence that keeping a conditioner in the hair longer will condition it better. Really? Condition, listen to this. Conditioner is like ketchup on French fries. Once you coat it, it's pretty much as coated as it's going to be. Letting it soak doesn't have much value. Huh.
0: Boy, that's counter what we've learned. That's kind of mind-blowing. That's kind of change-making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
1: this doesn't hold for pre-treatment or oils, because we do know that oils by themselves before the bath will uh, absorb into the hair to some extent and will kind of provide a pre-bath treatment. But we always thought that there were ingredients in in conditioners. Uh, and, and this came about, the question was, what's what's the difference between a deep conditioner and a rinse-through conditioner? Thickness, marketing. Wow. Thickness and marketing. You know, because the, the questioner says they always tell you to leave the deep conditioner in there for 15, 20 minutes, and then the rinse through, and you know, the most is two, three minutes with the rinse through conditioner as well. Perry says there is no evidence that keeping a conditioner in the hair longer will condition it better. Conditioner is like ketchup on fries.
0: Okay. Well, this is interesting in lots of different ways because we've always been taught to leave the conditioner on a little bit. I mean, for years and years with our own hair, like hot oil treatments and things like that, like you say, the oil. But if there's never, ever, ever been any evidence, (laughs) we are complete victims of marketing. Well, we are. Hello, hello, wake up. We say
1: that again. We are complete victims of, you know, not maybe not victims, but we're just we're just manipulated by marketing. That's what marketing
0: does. Do you know how many minutes of time has been robbed from my life as I stand in the shower, letting conditioner soak into my long ponytail? Wasted time. I want it all back. I'm taking them to court. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I think it, it does kind of shake us up. You know, I want to underscore while we're here, underscore for our listeners and especially for new listeners that may not have heard me emphasize this, leaving shampoo on for longer does not clean better at all. And it, in fact, raises the risk of irritation and detergent burn. Those uh, shampoo surfactants are formulated to be rinsed away and quickly because the quick
0: contact time is a part of their safety. Especially with sensitivities, you don't want stuff on your skin for any more than it has to be there uh, when it's a harsh surfactant. And, and surfactants act instantly. They
1: don't act better if they sit there. Now, if they work through the hair better, that's something else. Like a recirculator? Like in the recirculator. You know, Susie, the recirculating bathing system is such a perfect application
0: system, especially for conditioners. Yeah, sometimes I wish I had one in my own bathtub. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've used mine. Oh, me too. <laughs> Many
1: times. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've bent over that bathing tub and washed my own hair with a restorative hair. Yep. Done that. Done that. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, anyway, I ran into that and it was mind blowing and thought provoking. I love thought provoking. So, I'm going to. Follow up on it, and I even re-enrolled. I I was enrolled in that forum as a member a few years ago, but I hadn't used it, and so I think I got dropped out. But I applied for membership again so that I could maybe follow up on that a little bit, and um, that would be neat. And also, I want to see if I can't kind of create a section in that forum for uh, pet products formulating. Because there are people that come on every now and then and say, uh, I'm a pet formulator or I want to formulate for pets. And I, I think that I might serve a little bit if I were to start a section of the forum on formulating pet products.
0: Also, you know what else I think is a really great idea? Doing another webinar. Actually, what I think is an even better idea than that is doing a series of webinars, especially because we have such a massive following. Like, for instance, last week we had 2,500 downloads or 2,600 downloads of our episodes. So that's a lot of people. And amongst those people, there's not a lot of those people who have had the opportunity to take the Beyond Suds and Scent course. We're going to offer it, aren't we? It's going to be cool. Yes. You know, in our last uh, webinar
1: on additives exposed, <clears throat> I suggested that I do a follow-up on silicones, but I think I'm going to hold up on silicones and go back to basics and start at the beginning, which is the what's in the bottle of shampoos, beyond suds and scent, uh, understanding shampoo shampoos. And then we'll do a second one on conditioners. And then maybe we'll go into specifics like things to know about
0: using silicones. This is going to cover all of the basics of how shampoo works, how it works in our systems, and how it affects skin, how it affects the dogs. How it's made and
1: how it's marketed, because you know, I'm always going to have some information in there to help you be more savvy about marketing how the products are marketed to us because that just helps us see through bullshit better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I said it. Yes you did and that's just (laughs) fine with me. So stay tuned. We haven't picked the date yet but Barbara's gonna look at the days. It's not gonna be too far along because we really have this all loaded and ready to go. Yeah. Four to six weeks from when this uh episode goes up yeah because we don't want to end up in the holidays either uh, yeah they're coming they're coming barbara the holidays <laughs> are coming all right shall we take a break and uh get on to the very important topic of the nail trim struggle sure let's go let's do it Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free, ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. And the Max is now available in court size. I'm so happy, 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 happy. So, everybody, get yourself some of the Max. If you haven't tried it, it's amazing. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm now a fancy pants grooming behavior specialist. So I've learned so much, and I just want to share it all, every bit of it with you guys. And first of all, I'll share the classes through Whole Pet Academy, and it's given by Chrissy Neumeier-Smith, and I recommend it for anybody who has any interest in improving your behavior on the table. And also, she has a podcast that's free, and so you can learn every week a little bit from Chrissy, and it's called Creating Great Grooming Dogs.
1: Oh, and she does private lessons for... Pay. Yes, absolutely. That's a really important resource. So if you're having a, uh, a difficult problem like Willis, the incorrigible Scotty that I had, you can get into touch with Chrissy and she'll uh, give you some good hints and suggestions and help you partner with that pet owner. And uh, it's just hands-on,
0: one-on-one lessons. And she could do a week on nail trim handling. I kid you not. And she did answer the question on Facebook. So if you're interested in in Chrissy's like input, it's in there. But I had actually written this a couple weeks ago because of a video that was out there that I fortunately didn't see. But I'll talk about that later. But spontaneously, we got a question about the nail trim struggle on our Facebook group just like two days ago. And it's from... Coats and Tails Dog Pawler, P-A-W-L-O-U-R. I thought that was very cute. They say, I don't know if it's a girl or a guy, hello to all, I need help. I groom lots of doodles, 50 to 70 pounds. I'm having issues with dogs snatching their paws out of my hands while shaving pads and clipping nails. Because they are larger dogs and strong, I just cannot keep a grip on them. It has become a constant struggle. Any ideas on how to remedy this? We all have this problem. I have this problem. Do you have this problem? Oh, my hands are
1: so wrecked. There are some dogs I just don't even try to do their nails. I just scissor lightly over the pads. Oh, I totally agree. Everybody has
0: these problems. And that pulling
1: away from you, that's torturous.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just torture. Especially for bad hands. And if you don't have bad hands now, just wait. <laughs> if you continue to groom, <laughs> you'll get there. <laughs> I want to mention an important point. And even though a lot of you guys are out there going, well, I'm never going to become a behavior specialist, or I just pass those dogs along, anytime we have a dog in our care on the table, We're training them to behave the way we want them to behave. It's just part of the nature of our job. We're training them to be brushed and turn around and all kinds of things all the time. So don't think you're not training these dogs. We are. And when you are ending up with a dog that's struggling for the nail trim, you have to think about what Chrissy calls WTF, which isn't what the mmmph. It's what's the function? Why is the dog wrestling? Is it because it's how they think a nail trim's supposed to be because they've been groomed by other groomers who force them through or at the vet where they force them through? Is it because the dogs are painful? I always look for pain first when a dog struggles. And I want to be sure that I'm not creating extra pain because sometimes that happens too a lot with us. Often we hold in an uncomfortable way, especially the right front foot. The right front foot is a difficult foot to get. The left front foot for me is easy, but the right front foot to get into a comfortable spot with a dog that has difficult anatomy, you know, where their shoulders are tight or their elbows tuck in and they can't quite swing their legs in the same way other dogs do. I can make it uncomfortable for the dogs. And as a matter of fact, we all sometimes are our worst enemy in this nail struggle thing. And some dogs like a good wrestle. Have you ever met a dog that likes a good wrestle?
1: Yeah, some terriers just think it's time to, you know, have at it a little bit. But I also think that dogs as a species tend to have issues about their feet, especially their front feet, because they use their feet to dominate other animals. And, uh, you know, so when you're holding their feet, you're dominating them in a simple way. You know, they perceive it as that, and they might resent that.
0: Especially if you're clamped on.
1: And yeah. And you're really clamped
0: on they're... there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. The little tiny dogs are sometimes the hardest dogs of all because I'm so afraid I'm going to break their little pencil-sized legs. And they don't seem to care. They'll twist their whole leg off if given the opportunity sometimes to not have their nails trimmed, you know. Wait till you hear about my method. Oh, well, do you want to do that now? Is now a good time for that?
1: It all started as my
0: clipping nails for
1: a chihuahua. So we have this client. I've been clipping his chihuahua's nails for 10 years And his name is Randy, and he's a biker. He's (laughs) a hard, stone cold, aging biker dude with chihuahuas. With chihuahuas, he doesn't have a car. So right away, I just hit upon this way. I have in front of my counter, in my kind of in my retail area, I have two chairs. Where people can sit down. If the dog's not ready yet, they can sit down and put them down and kind of out of view of the dog and they can read or scroll through their phone or whatever. And I also have two so that I can sit down there and meet a new customer and meet a new dog. It seems to be a really personal way to start a relationship with a pet owner is to sit down with them and their dog at your feet. And the dog likes getting to know you that way way, too. But with Randy, I would have him hold the dog with a towel against his chest. And then i just slide in there and trim their nails. And the only thing that's a little bit weird is that when you do the back nails, you're rather close to the customer's crotch.
0: I do the (laughs) same thing, and I have had some awkward encounters with women's breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Because the the front leg (laughs) i have found that this works for me
1: better than my taking the the chihuahua because as soon as i take the chihuahua i'm its enemy you know i'm sorry as soon as i take the chihuahua from its person i'm the enemy and they use the towel to help kind of cover the head or if the dog's going to be freaked out by the towel we don't use a towel, but it's a great way. And the, here's a funny thing. I did this yesterday. Oh, yeah? And Randy came in, and he had two of his chihuahuas, and then the person he got a ride from had a small kind of terrier mix dog that he wanted to have the nails done, and Randy treated him to the nail trip. So I get finished with the groom, and Randy says – I love you. <laughs> 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 Randy the biker says, I just love you, Barbara. You're going to be doing this for a while. I would just die without you. You've just been a, a godsend in my life. He goes on and on like this, you know. He tips me $5 for these three, and a nice little handful of cash, and he's just Gutching over me, and he goes back to the very first time he came in. The very first time he came in, his dog got away from him at the door. Oh, jeez! And went running across Grant Road, and then running down the sidewalk. And he goes tearing after him at her, and uh the dog got home before
0: he did. Oh, thank goodness!
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it was just a, a miracle. <laughs> And it's something that we all never regret. But he, you know, he did not secure the leash before he took the dog out of the backpack. Scary. And the dog was scared at the entrance and just took off. So he came back in because of something he wanted to say. And I said to him, Randy, are you high? <laughs> he said, no. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like, not the kind of guy that gushes over you like that. That's pretty know? funny. That's so pretty funny. But anyway, <laughs> that's my uh, towel in the lap
0: chihuahua uh, nail trim method that really works for me. And it works for me too. I have a chihuahua nail trim in the neighborhood. And mostly I don't groom in my own neighborhood. I groom miles away because that's where the vet hospital was that I was employed at. So I groom in that area more than I do at my own house. But I stop by and I do a drive-by nail trim. She runs out in her house coat, always in her house coat with the dog wrapped in a towel because the dog will pee if she gets excited. She pees all the time this dog. She's just got no bladder control at all. Anyway, and I just run up and I clip. Sounds like me. (laughs) Yeah. So I do a drive by nail trim and it's, I charge them $35. It takes me two minutes and and it's done. But those little dogs, they are tiny dogs in a huge world. So I'm totally with you. They are so much more comfortable in their human's arms than they are being taken into the back into the scary grooming room where potentially if they're smooth coat, they just don't have experience with it back there. But if we continue to force dogs to get their nails trimmed, which is what they do most often at the vets, is they just force the issue. They lay people on top of the dog and stuff like that. You could very well be teaching them to struggle for the nail trim just by doing it that way over and over again they're learning that that's what a nail trim is like and recently as i mentioned before there was a video of a dog that was strangled during a nail trim and lost its life and no animal should lose their life over a nail trim ever
1: we had a boxer
0: mix at a local that the customer said don't
1: bother with his nails and they did it anyway, put five people on the dog and he had a heart
0: attack and died on the table. It's a nail trim. It's a nail trim. And there's a better way. There's always a better way. And and it's all about degrees, you know, it's about using the amount of necessary tools for the situation. And the the concept is you wanna keep the dogs calm, comfortable, and cooperative, as Chrissy says. And if not three of those, two of those things. And you should work towards that with everything we do. We want the dogs to have a say in what's going on, not to be able to opt out because most of the time, unless you've got a dog like the boxer, you're going to still want to get the nails trimmed. But you want to give them some options. Does the dog prefer to have a Dremel? Or does it prefer to be clipped with nail trimmers? Or does it prefer to be hand filed down because the quick is so long that they just have a fear of the little bit of pain that happens when you quick them? Also, the way you hold their leg should be an option for them. And you should watch for body language. And if the dog is pulling back, it might very well be that the dog has a sore wrist and you're holding that wrist too tight, or it could be the shoulder aches or something like that. So always look for some kind of physical pain. That's the humane hierarchy. You look for that. Yeah. And I, I I think also there's tendency for groomers when they're doing the
1: the back nails to lift the leg out from the hip and, And that's like such a mistake. Uh, And it can really be uncomfortable for the dogs. And you really need to just raise that back foot
0: up, not out. Yeah, it goes backwards. And a little bit of study of anatomy and how joints work will tell you that you can't lift an elbow straight out to the side. They don't go that way. And if it's a tight elbow, it really doesn't go that way. So, yeah, period. <laughs> yeah. know your anatomy. Take a moment to learn that and be very sensitive to changes in the dog's behavior. Like, for instance, if you can hold the dog's leg up, but when you stretch out the elbow, the dog pulls back. Well, that's an indicator that stretching out the elbow is super uncomfortable for that dog. And there's lots of different reasons that that it could be uncomfortable. One of the many reasons that we don't often pick up on is balance. And if you lift a dog's leg too high or lift it too quickly or they're not prepared, then you throw the dog off balance and then it becomes apprehensive. That's probably the best word I can use for it. They become apprehensive over the whole process and it kind of will snowball and elevate into a crisis situation for the dog where they're so afraid they're going to fall off a three foot high or four foot high table that they panic. And that's what you don't want. You don't want panic ever during a grooming process it's just not well i don't anyway as a behavior person i don't want to make the dogs panic i want to make them have a good time so So, i so do you do the front feet
1: forward or do you uh put the foot behind
0: the dog dave does everything from uh behind I do behind first, yeah. but if that, because if the wrist is uncomfortable and you go behind and you cock that wrist too far, the dog's going to react to that. So if they're not comfortable with, and also the lifting too high or any shoulder injuries, if the dog is most comfortable, I do it like a horse. So I pick it up to the back so that I can see the quick and then I angle him down that way. But if they fight me, then I will offer to take the dog's legs straight forward, not out to the side. But straight in front of the dog, and do it that way, and then and tip them back that way. And if that doesn't work, then I'll leave the foot on the ground and I'll tip it with the nail trimmers, you know, with the clippers on the ground. And uh, while the dog is more balanced, especially the older dogs that have splayed feet, they have a hard time balancing in general, and their quicks are often long. So I, so I will. Gently- so you're, so you're using a scissor type. Plier type, type plier type plier, plier type yes yeah I don't uh, that's what I used to and I'm super sensitive to what the dog is doing and why are they fighting me why is this dog fighting at this moment is it my hold is it a pain issue is it uh, apprehension over falling uh, or in losing balance so I try to find that um, yeah but- older dog older dogs seem to get issues about balance yes
1: you know, my, my 10-year-old um, Standard Poodles are, <clears throat> one of them, I don't even do its feet anymore. And the, and she does nails at home. The other one, uh, I was doing clean feet, but he's starting to just, like, hop around when I got one paw in my hand. So I think he's having balance problems, as well as being kind of a dancing dog to keep to from the get-go. But, uh, you know, when they're repositioning, repositioning, that's balance.
0: And if you've you ever know, been on see. a boat, when you're standing on a boat and it's rocking around, you're using all kinds of core muscles and leg muscles to adjust your balance all the time. As an old dog, that's hard to do. Yeah, Be mindful about that. Mm-hmm. And check in with the dog. Is it calm? Is it anxious? Is it fearful? Is it panicked? And if it's, if it's fearful or panicked, back up a step. Go a little bit slower.
1: Chris Bear-Anthony here, visiting the Pod. So, if you know me, you know how much I love my Evolution Shears. They are the only shears I actually use. So check out all the options, including customizable non-swivels, at evolutionshears.com, and give Abby a shout with any questions you might have. GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GroomPod, so check them out today. Your hands will thank you. Summer is the season where we are likely to find dried out coats. And show season has a special shampoo and conditioner called Honey Pet. Honey Pet shampoo and conditioner is made with Manuka honey as an additive and also almond oil. And it's excellent in hydrating the coat. It also smells real good. And it comes with a matching conditioner that contains the Manuka honey, the almond oil, the sunflower oil, triglycerides, and a little dash of dimethicone, which assists in combing and brushing the coat. You can find these and all the great
0: Show Season products at showseasongrooming.com. There's a thing called the oppositional reflex, which means if you're pulling, that the dog is likely to pull. And if you're pushing, the dog is likely to push. If you find the dog is pulling their leg away from you, you might try putting a little pressure Against the leg and see if that doesn't push the oppositional reflex into action and cause the dog to stop pulling instead and push against you, in which case you can get it done. But you've got to be going from the front to have that work on the front legs. And <clears throat> take a moment to relax the dog if they're having a difficult time. Don't just forge ahead. And I know the owner may be waiting or you may be working against a deadline or timing. The deal is, if you give the dog a chance to be successful, the likelihood is you'll have a better chance at being successful. So take breaks, go slowly. Dogs hate surprises, you know? Do you ever try to, like, sneak in there and get that nail when the dog's not looking? That'll piss a dog off really quickly. I know. I freak out when pet owners tell me that they sneak
1: up on their dogs on the couch and scissor them. That is just like so rude. Yes. So fucking rude. Exactly. You know, and some dogs will bite you if you do that. You know, in fact, they had to be shown,
0: attacked his mom for doing that especially as their senses are going as they're getting older. Maybe they can't hear, they're sleeping soundly, and all of a sudden snip, 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 and they jump up and somebody gets hurt. The scissors flip, you know, things happen. So definitely take your time, go slowly, give lots of breaks. And when you're holding the dog's foot, open your hand and see if the dog's foot will just stay there. Use only the amount of pressure you need to to get the dog to cooperate with you. I really like to do a technique that's called name and explain, which means that I'm not going to surprise that dog. I'm going to go in the same order of legs as I do every time. So they know I'm going to start on the front right and then go to the back right. And then I'm going to turn the dog around and go front left and back left. And I'm going to say, ready, toenail trim, snip. And then I'm going to go snip every time I'm going to snip a nail. So the dog knows in advance I'm going to snip the nails. Eventually... They learn to understand that communication. Even if you're just doing it repetitively and nothing else, they'll learn to know and anticipate and not be as afraid because they know what's coming. It's no surprise to them. I think that helps a lot. And, and doing it in the same way every time, I think helps a lot. Not necessarily in the same spot as every groom for individual dogs, but each dog with their own preferences gets it done the same way. Well, dogs love a routine. Yes. They love a
1: routine. They love to know what's coming next. They love it in the morning if what you do is you go to the coffee maker and you've got dog treats there and they get one. That's our routine. They love it. It gives them a great feeling of uh, pride and intelligence and in control of their environment. So if you do it the same way all the time, you know, we have dogs that come in and walk to the same bottom crate every time they go to the, this is my place, it's my spa bed, this is my spa bed, you know, <laughs> and they, <laughs> you know, they just walk, they just walk in, dragging in leash, go right to their room, you know, and their owners say, wow, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they know. And then, you know, some of them jump into the tub and, you know, like things like this. They love to know that we do this and then we do that. And then, you know, and they can predict the steps and, uh, the more, uh, the more you do that on your table, the more confidence you give the dog. I'm not very good like that, I'm a little bit random. And, uh, but I'm, I try to be intuitive and tuned in too so that I don't surprise them with a, you know, like, wait a minute, I'm gonna do this back right now uh, thing. But, the, you know, I think I'm going to try to be more systematic again.
0: And uh, it's, telling uh, it's them what really, you're doing, telling them what yeah. you're doing has such an effect. You don't think they're listening. And especially like some of the golden retrievers where it just looks like it flies past there. <laughs> there's like nothing going on behind the eyes. Yeah. They're picking stuff up every time you do it. For me, my table doesn't spin. My table's against a wall, so I have to turn the dogs. And it only takes a grooming or two before they understand turn around, and I'm not forcing them around on the table, which is a subject we're going to talk about on the next groom pod, is about moving the dogs on the table comfortably so that you're not putting them off balance. And that whole balance thing, I'm going to bring up the balance thing again. <clears throat> so as you're doing the nail trim, and you're noticing that dogs maybe have weak hips as they're aging or a knee issue or something like that. There's all kinds of tools you can use to help with that, to make it more comfortable for the dog. Like for instance, let them lay down. Oftentimes dogs do much better, especially big dogs, laying down for their nail trims. I've got a English cream retriever slash golden retriever that's white that comes out and lays down and is just so easy for his nail trim. But if you do it when he's standing up, he's kind of heavy and he's not comfortable with that. So you've got to be a detective. You've got to figure it out. What's going to work for this particular dog? Another thing they have is is hip hammocks or full-size hammocks or belly straps or little pads or rolls you can put underneath. There's all kinds of different options. Explore your options if you're having a dog that's having difficulty, especially with back legs. Now, we also have a variety of grooming loops. And what actually took this dog's life in the nail trim was a grooming loop with a fixed ring in the front, or at least I think it was a fixed ring, attached to the grooming post, and a human restraining the dog away from the table. So there the dog was held up to the table and they pulled back on the restraint and it suffocated the dog. They just choked the dog. So make sure you understand how to use... <sighs> oh yeah. <clears throat> and the one that we used for our uh, final... The owner was restraining the dog and the groomer told the, the owner to clamp on and lay down on top of the dog and they choked that dog out and had to resuscitate it off the, off camera. So. It's important to listen to the dog's breathing, to look at the dog's color of the tongue, to never use more restraint than you need. I'm a big proponent of using two connections, but they're loose connections. They're just to remind the dog that they can't turn over and walk away from my edge of the table and never walk away from your dog when it's on the table. That's another thing. The dog that was in the final video had a slip lead tied to the grooming loop a slip lead tied to the grooming arm a slip lead tied to the arm in front so two Uh, slip leads tied oh no two e-collars on top of Uh. that. and four minutes into the video the dog was breathing and the groomer is just continuing on to groom that dog we can't do this to the To the dogs they don't deserve this no matter how difficult they are for a nail trim no dog deserves to be strangled like that amen yes so we have muzzles it's perfectly okay to use a muzzle keep in mind though that if you've used a muzzle on another dog that stress pheromones are released in the dog's face and that muzzle has stress on it. So wash your muzzles, people, because dogs are so sensitive with their smell. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yes. They can smell the fear that was left on from the previous dogs. And oh. you know, for an average dog, it may not affect them for, for a dog that's already panicked. And then you throw a muzzle on that smells like a dog freaked out in it. That's going to affect the way they react. So, did you, you know, on
1: a, on a different
0: note, but.
1: Uh, Did you see that video that came across Facebook about the cat being bathed? No. There was this video, and it was posted like what groomers go through, ha, 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 LOL, you know, kind of thing. And it was this cat in the tub, and the bather had on a jacket and gloves and uh, like all kinds of protection. And there was a sec assistant at everything and the cat was just freaking out and trying like mad to get out of there and just like climbing up her face and then it climbed up and it got a curtain and it pulled that down and they would keep pushing it back in the sudsy water i just about died watching them force that cat into the tub i had to go on and say no no cat should go through this. Never, ever. Ever. And you know what? This is how cats die. Right. Cats can stress out. Boom. Cats are like rabbits in that way. Rabbits can stress out and just like freeze and be dead in a minute. Yep. And cats can easily expire. They can like just produce so much stress in their bodies that it kills them. It is just like not worth it <laughs> you know there's foaming dry cleaner there's liquid dry cleaner there's cornstarch there's just like all kinds of ways to get cats cleaner without necessarily putting them in uh, this was water you water you know like
0: yes it wasn't
1: it wasn't even a you know and nothing for the cat to hold on to you know I like to have a, a, something there that the cat can kind of latch on to if they've got to do that for a long time I had a frame that was a triangle frame and it had screen on it then they could
0: like dig in that I don't know what happened to it finally fell apart or something
1: and I didn't need it anymore.
0: I use a grate and I angle it against the back of the tub so that the cats can sit on that. My great paws can go through it. Oh, yeah. Too big. Had a paw
1: get caught, off, get caught in a grate on time.
0: Yeah, that's no good.
1: Yeah. You know, like stress is the killer. Yep. And we have to honor it like that. We have to know that stress can kill And got to stay aware of what you're doing and how the dog or cat is reacting. And it's
0: it's just not worth it. There's alternatives. Let's skip it. Don't zone (laughs) out and just plow through your grooming people. Some people, they they just got to win.
1: You know, I'm not going to let this dog not let me do this. Well, Hey,
0: it isn't worth it. And I want (laughs) to mention too, oftentimes our solution or my solution in the past has been have the vet do the nails, but the vet is going to force the nails to be done. That's what they do. So if you're trying to retrain a dog and think about it this way, you've got 15 years of nail trims, 15 years of nail trims. Don't send the dog to the vet and have them manhandle it and set all of your work back. Take the time to train the dogs. Old dogs can be trained too. Sometimes, like for instance, I have a dog where they refuse to groom the dog often enough for me to really work on the behavior. And oftentimes that means that I shouldn't even bother with them, but I've been doing this dog since it was a puppy and I can get it done. Even though I know that they're not helping me any by not doing the dogs very often, that dog does go to the vet for his nails because I don't want to be that person. I can get through most of the groom as the good person. So then I'll send that one to the vet, but I know that they are manhandling that dog because I can no longer get anywhere near his feet. Yeah, the vet sent Teddy the Shih Tzu mix back. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: happens sometimes. (laughs) Oh, and I want to say something about that 15 years. Yeah. This coming Tuesday is my 45th anniversary of opening my
0: shop. That is so impressive. Susie, 45 fucking years. That's crazy. That's crazy, Barbara. That's some longevity. You know, and I hear people like... Groom for a couple of years and then have to bail out. Look at you. Look at you. So cool. <laughs> so anyway, I,
1: I just kind of, I, I got to get a banner. Yes,
0: you do. A couple more suggestions before we actually, we're not going to get to the bath bombs this time. We'll do those next time. But I want to say use. Every- now that you're a teacher, you're going to take up all the time. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I knew this was going to be long when I, because I wrote it, what, two Weeks ago, when I went back to it, I added a whole bunch more crap on there. I was like, well, no, I have to talk about this, and I have to talk about that. Well, you're going to have to have your own webinar, I will have to have my own segment anyway. You're going to have to have your own webinar, girlfriend. Okay, well, that maybe, yeah, we can discuss that. So there are all kinds of really subtle ways you can maybe help the dogs feel a little bit better. CBD is one of them. Another one is dog pheromones that you, you know, spray in the air or that you put into a plug-in. Those pheromones can sometimes calm some of the dogs down. Essential oils. And also, believe it or not, dog music. If you put dog calming music on in the background, specifically chosen for dogs, Sometimes you have to listen to something else because it makes you sleepy too. But it really does. If you use all of those different things, you know, at your disposal and take your time. So what is dog calming music? Look it up on YouTube. Excuse me. It's dog calming music. It's, a, it's the woo woo thing. I'm going to the woo woo. I mean, I'm mentioning the woo woo. I mean, I'm not saying I own any, but you can get it right on your phone, and you can just play it. It's like the stuff you listen to if you listen to music that's supposed to put you to sleep.
1: I just asked Alexa, play some smooth jazz.
0: And yeah, some dogs may not like smooth jazz. jazz. My smooth dogs are all heavy jazz metal dogs. On Amazon Music. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. It's Look at she heard me. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Shut up! She's disobeying, Alexa. Shut up! That's too late. <laughs> she won't stop the music. Oh, and Alexa!
0: I... <laughs> there we go. I, I, <laughs> you bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe
1: that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, That's so funny. Thank you. <laughs>
0: so, <gasps> what a bitch. Yes, yeah, so the, la- the last thing I want to mention, which you already mentioned, is use some help. But don't use help while the dog's attached to a noose. That's not good. But use the owner, use another employee. Get someone to help you learn about how to hold a dog properly against your body, especially if it's a big dog, so you can help your other groomers. Be mindful of the dog and be mindful of their experience. That's See there, that's woo-woo again. Chrissy made me some woo-woo. She infused some woo-woo into me. How did that happen? (laughs) I rebel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, a little woo-woo's all right. I've been there, done that. I'm an
0: aromatherapist. It's true.
1: You know, I take that stuff
0: seriously. Well, yeah, just not the music.
1: <laughs> uh, I just I just wonder, you know, like I do
0: different dogs have different tastes in music. I think they might. Parrots do. Parrots do. Yeah. yeah. Hang on a second. Just vamp for a minute. I'm just going to see what I can find here. Oh, she's going to look up dog music. It says, music made for dogs by other dogs. It apparently is made by humans, but they've done some research like and found stuff that actually works. Sound levels or sound waves? Probably, because that's how they do the people ones. Oh, here we go. Play. This is an example of dog calming music. And now your eyes are getting heavy. They're getting heavy. You're falling asleep and your head is nodding towards the table. (laughs) Okay, Chrissy swears by it. So, okay. yeah, I believe her. I haven't used it, but I believe her. And she's had a lot of experience with difficult dogs and she is the teacher and she's been doing it for a long time so if she says try it it certainly can't hurt i'm gonna remain stiff i'm fine with that <laughs> all right that brings us to the end of the hour let's call it a day barbara what a wonderful day happy grooming everybody see you next week on the groom pod bye-bye now take care of yourselves please we love you